We're only free to write our own story and live our lives after we clarify and work through the traumas of our past. Hello, Pathfinders. Welcome to another episode of Paths to Self. This week, we're looking into the story of Harry Potter as a case example of breaking from our shell and write our own destiny. Harry Potter is only able to write his own story, the part of the story we don't even know about, which comes after the books once he takes on and defeats Voldemort. Here I will describe to you in some detail how Harry and Voldemort are in fact the two battling sides of the same man who is facing the necessity of and succeeds in growing up psychologically in order to start writing his own story, live his life beyond the one set for him by his history, the family and his society. In this way, the story appeals to all of us who are struggling with living in the patterns that leave us unsatisfied and even suffer in life. The patterns that makes the healthy part, the healthy part of us say, there must be more to life than this. Before we start, remember to subscribe to keep it coming. Here we go. Who is Voldemort? Voldemort is a part of Harry, as he's a part of the character Voldemort. We got that out of the way. I want to quickly explain this name Voldemort, because it is key to understanding the case on us breaking the mold. Now, the word Voldemort has a keen resemblance to will to die in a Latin sounding way. Will to die, for those who are interested, is a term coined by Freud, translated as the death drive to English. He basically taught that people who repeat the actions that hurt them are yearning for the peace of pre-birth. These days we believe people just want inner peace not to die, even though they seem to be doing things that repeatedly hurt them and those they care about. We call this repeating the actions that hurt us repetition compulsion and most therapists believe we repeat traumatic experiences because our system keeps looking for a solution by recreating the same scenario. For example, like someone who provokes others even though each time the person he provokes attacks or dismisses him, thus recreating the abandonment scenario because the system gets stuck until it finds a way out. The system gets stuck living the same life until it finds the solution to regain peace. It's kind of the same story as the um, Groundhog's Day. This is also the case we witness with PTSD, by the way, the post-traumatic stress disorder, where the images and sounds keeps coming up for people around a traumatic experience. The metaphor of being an orphan. So this is the character Voldemort, the death drive, the compulsion to repeat the same old painful scenarios in our lives. And as we said, Voldemort is Harry's trauma, his side that repeats what hurts him and the others he cares about. And this is the thing, Harry is an orphan, mainly someone who has an attachment trauma. His connection with his parents is severed. This is deeply painful and this grief theme follows him through the whole series. If you're looking at the story metaphorically, like any fairy tale, most people, if not all, are orphans who only meet their magical ideal parents after they enter the magical world of their unconscious. 
This may be because someone starts to reflect on their lives. Something happens that stops the usual flow of their lives. They start therapy. Who knows? But they start looking at themselves, their inner experience of life. When we start looking into our own experience, we see that either our parents meant well, but they had their shortcomings, or maybe they were completely out to lunch in our formative years as we were growing up. So we meet our ideal parents in the magical world of the unconscious, but are all, in fact, raised by Dursleys with whom we never quite fully connected with. And here, Dursleys are, by the way, the representative of the negative parental voices in his head, but I will come to that later. The significance of being 11 years old. So as you know, in the story, once kids turn 11, they are considered ready to attend to this uh, school, Hogwarts, to the school of self-knowledge, metaphorically. And it has a lot to do, actually, with this metaphor of the 11th day of the moon cycle. And I'll say a little more about that. So it's interesting that Harry Potter needs to be 11 years old to enter the magical school where he will learn about himself. The 11th day after the full moon, mythically, corresponds to the day that attention turns inward to our own inner world. Again, for those who are interested, for millennia, Artists, mystics have resembled sun to the undying spiritual life and moon represented the ever-changing, being born, dying, renewing nature. The spiritual idea is that after the peak of the moon cycle, meaning our, after the peak in our lives, as the organic life starts waning, through looking inward, we can jump from the moon cycle to the sun cycle mainly to the undying spiritual life, to the undying self. In our inner world, for those of us who seek it, there is possibility of spiritual awakening. So the 11th year of Harry Potter arrives, but he's not ready. He's not equipped. He does not know how to look within. He does not go to this magical unconscious with just a letter, a note that says, this is your time, right? So... This is like many of us in our own modern world. We do not grow up in cultures where we are shown a path to grow up, take responsibility and turn around to teach the new generations unless we become aware and go out to consciously create opportunities for ourselves. Simply, there's very little focus, basically. There's very little focus, little space that encourages us to turn inward. So we lack the initial skills knowledge on turning inward unless life throws us, throws it at us or throws us at it. In this case, as I mentioned before, the Dursleys on top of it are the negative parental voices of the unideal parents in his head. Not all parental voices, of course, are negative. um, But in this case, uh, Harry grows up with very critical and unempathic parental figures. And parental figures are not always just our parents, of course, which, yes, are initiated by the initial attachment figures that we grew up with. But again, you know, throughout our lives, depending where we are in the life stage, it can take the form of uh, institutions um, and teachers and bosses, right? So so many other figures that follows after the initial uh, formative years. So anyway, the part important for us is that 
We carry the negative parental voices in our heads that hold us back from acting on our instinct and hearing the direction of our true selves. The negative voices, meaning the Dursleys in this case, keep running away from the call, keep uh, snatching Harry away, and Harry does not get on with his personal inward journey until finally a giant kicks down his door, breaking these voices, the Dursleys' last hideout, and exposing Harry to the perfect storm raging in his life. On being a psychological child. Until we step out that door, that defensive door, we are all yet the psychological kids living under the roof made for us by our parents with their critical voices in our heads. Again, this is a metaphorical black and white, good and bad story. Most of us do not have only bad and critical adult figures growing up, and the voices are not all critical. But here, to make a point, Dursleys are almost all critical and nothing else. Going back to us, we only start growing up once we hit this metaphorical but inevitable 11th day of the moon in our lives and are called to look inward and make sense of our own experience. Once Harry becomes his own person, questioning all his previous assumptions about life, only then he meets the magical ideal parents, guides, cool outcast older uncles and aunts, friends, and builds his own community beyond being his elder's sidekick. This is the family he owns and forms for himself as his true self. In our case, this new magical community may of course include our parents that we were unable to connect with before we woke up as well. And once Harry finds out this world where he truly feels he belongs to, then he has real motivation to stand up to Voldemort. Again, the word Voldemort, the will to die, the death drive, as Freud puts it, is the psychological term that describes compulsion to repeat a trauma scenario, actions and attitudes that keep hurting people around us, but mostly ourselves. Yeah. So Harry decides to take on Voldemort because it threatens his magical community that he has formed and his relationships with this community. And neither he nor his destructive side, Voldemort, can live while the other survives. So this is the core part, guys. I told you before that Voldemort and Harry are the two sides of the same person. Now that Harry is aware of this destructive side of himself, he cannot turn a blind eye to it and let it wreak havoc in his magical community. He has to take this destructive character, this side of him that is the compulsion to repeat destructive actions, down. By the way, destruction on our lives is not always an aggressive action. We may well be destroying our lives by always saying yes and constantly dismissing ourselves, right? Then, you know, if we are doing that, we're very likely going to be very resentful and feel helpless in our lives, which does not set the basis for the intimate and healthy relationships either. So, um, a the, the Voldemort action in our lives does not have to be an aggressive action. Feeling ready. Harry has a hard time to feel a feel ready to tackle this side of himself that is destructive after he first becomes aware of it. He does not feel strong or equipped enough for a long time. It is as if this role of being a hero is put on him, right, by the magical community as soon as Voldemort picks him as his nemesis. 
So as we are all metaphorical orphans raised by the Dursleys, meaning none of us are immune to attachment trauma, each one of us is marked by on or by our own Voldemort, our own compulsion to repeat hurtful actions we experienced early in our lives. And we also feel that this is unfair and we did not choose this hero role, that life, the family we're born in, the situations, the culture put on us, right? We're only fully motivated to take the responsibility of monitoring and managing our self-damaging, self-sabotaging tendencies after we consciously witness and accept the destruction of these actions in our lives. At that point, it is not about waiting for the community, our parents to get off our backs or our Voldemort, our self-sabotaging ways to disappear on their own, right? It's us taking this task on. We take charge and responsibility of our lives and deal with our own self-dismissing and damaging attitudes and actions. And Harry starts with all the horcruxes where this repeating compulsion left a mark, meaning the relationships and parts of his life that are affected by his compulsion to repeat destructive actions. So how does this look in the life of an ordinary, otherwise healthy person? For example, if you have a habit like indecisiveness, so you cannot commit to a career or relationship, or maybe you have both, but um, you're stuck in a loop and life increasingly is becoming duller and career relationships are getting unsatisfactory, right? So this is an example of a very ordinary horcrux where our ongoing indecisiveness, a symptom, an effect of our original trauma, leaving a damaging mark in our lives. And by not committing to one thing, so never being able to start and live the life we are guided to by our inner selves is allowing our trauma to live on in a different form and preventing us from fully living. Thus, this is a prophecy again, right? I cannot fully live while my trauma is still thriving unchecked. Until almost the very last movie, Harry is not fully taking on the hero role himself. And it is either his compulsion to repeat Voldemort, catching up with him and stirring the plot, uh, or his friends turning to him for help, like uh, forming um, the Dumbledore's army. Right? His is a very self-fulfilling prophecy of a born hero until he himself decides to join in at the last movie and takes Voldemort on. He only consciously starts to write his own story at the point of taking on this nemesis himself. How he does it and what will happen in his life uh, from then on at that point is determined by him. I do hear it often. I'm sure you heard it too. Um, you might be saying it yourself. You know, it's very common to, to take this perspective of why should I be the one to understand all the time? Why should I, uh, why, what can I do? Yeah, this is all her, his, their fault. They need to change for me to have peace, right? We, we all, we may not be doing it all the time, but we all do this from time to time. And the point is not who started it or whose fault it is at this stage. It's more about what will happen to you, your life, and to the relationships you have if you do not take on this problem. So it's about can you afford to not do something about it? And Harry is not doing it for others, 
but himself. From then on, he can pull all he has learned about life into use and conducts himself according to what he sees as best for his life. So what has he learned is best for his life and what, um, what might make sense for us? What he has learned, for example, is that fame and fortune is not what he's looking for. He had both since he was 11 and neither gave him peace or guaranteed love and care, which was freely given by but was not enough to revive the relationships he has lost uh, with Dumbledore and Sirius. And he did not hold on to either of the Deathly Hallows except for his family heirloom, the cloak, just as his ancestor Ignotus did it did in the fairy tale he has learned not to tempt fate and instead chose to live fully the life he has he did not try holding on to what was taken from him his childhood with magical ideal parents or playing to his fame and courage dominating being on, in control of it all at the expense of um, living in relationships he learned those were all a ruse set up by fate and instead, it was the biggest blessing to live a healthy and peaceful life with loved ones, with the time he has on earth. Unlike the part of him that is willing to dismiss the value of any other life than his own in order to control all and live forever, Voldemort, he has people, Harry has people he loves and cares deeply about and chooses a finite, precious and peaceful life with them. This is what he learns is best for him and chooses to write his story once he finally takes Voldemort on himself. In summary, Pathfinders, this episode we looked into the story of Harry Potter as a case example of breaking for Marshall to fulfill our destiny. I hope it piqued your interest and I was able to give you some points to ponder. And I described how Harry and Voldemort are the two battling sides of the same man who is facing the necessity of growing up psychologically in order to start writing his own story. And more than a story, in order for him to live fully and make the most of his life beyond the story, once set for him by the family and society. I'm glad you stayed till the end. I'm very happy to share this time with you. I'll see you in another episode. Please subscribe to get more of these episodes as they come up. Stay well and connected, my friends.